person and nature of Christ. How does that play into evangelical Christian theology? That's what we've been talking about in our previous episode of Life Talks as we continue our series on Theology 101, Theology for Lay Folks, Theology for folks like Dan, who oh, Dan, uh, who, come who, on. who love to uh, to listen and learn. Well, in, in, let me just say, I think most people, when they hear us talk about this, are like, yeah, I believe that. But maybe they don't understand why they believe it, or maybe yeah. they, do, they, they don't know how to defend it. If someone says, well, yeah, show me where that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I also think this. I think it's just a matter of intellectual discipline, and I try to do this every year. I want to read some theology texts every year yeah. because it, it you sometimes it just slips away sometimes yeah. it just or it diminishes in its importance until you go back oh no 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 that's why that's so important i need to make sure i'm emphasizing yeah. that in, in what i'm teaching or reading or screening and and so forth so my name is dan i'm with ben we're the teaching pastors at life fellowship in, in metro charlotte north carolina and uh, this is life talks as we continue our series on basic theology theology 101 and our last episode was focused on Christology, not a light topic and not one that you can just uh, yeah. whip out in just in, in one session. That's so right. Yeah. We looked at the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. We looked at the incarnation of Christ and why it was important that he be born of a human mother, but yep. of, of, of obviously of a divine nature of God. And and then we looked at the phrase hypostatic union, yeah. which um, I urge every Christian to learn that so they can use it to there's impress great, and intimidate their friends. There's a great rap song by Shy Lin about the hypostatic hy- no union. No way. I promise you. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Can, just just can, look up Shy Lin. I'm never <laughs> not going to do an impression. Like, come on. No, no, no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to actually rap it out. I've got, I've got down. the song on my phone. I could play it for you everyone. You have rap music on your. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably out. To... You know, rap is you the ca- only word in the English you language. You keep talking. You keep talking silent. right now, Dan. I'm going to pull this. I'm going to pull totally this up. You totally can't play it on the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Why anybody, not? Yeah. Because you don't have your license for it. Yeah. Is this a Christian rapper? Yeah, or it's a Christian rapper. So that's why it sounds like that. <laughs> this is that. That's, that's, that's the Hypostatic Union song by Shy Lin. Who's Shy Lin? He's he's kind Wait. of a. I mean, I don't know. You're making me feel so old right now. I've never I've, heard of Shy Lin. Dude, Shy Lin is like ten years old. Like he was probably in his. He's height. ten years old and he's rapping. No, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what I thought he meant. Oh too. no! I mean, he's what a I'm trial saying, prodigy oh, Christian rapper. What I'm saying is, he was popular like 10 years, 12 years ago. He was. He's not like popular back I when I was your it. age. Yeah, back when you were my age. So he, I mean, yeah, he he had. He's a great. I mean, he raps really good theology. That's all. I, that's all I can say. There's, there's two words I don't put together: really good and S H A I L I N N E. I think is his name. Oh, I've Shailen. got so many things I want to say right now, and none of them are appropriate. So he's got a great. He's also got a great rap song on uh, the atonement. Atone Q and A. Called, what it's called. But which view of the atonement? <laughs> what is he teaching we'll get to people? That. Okay. He's, reformed the- he's a reformed theologian. Yeah, okay. Rapping anything on theology is like, he's rapping it's like re- belching. Listen, it is. we live in America where you can rap reformed theology. Is that not ama- isn't that amazing in America? I mean, and that's then what Jesus right. cried. <laughs> if he's ready, he couldn't have done otherwise, right? Like he's, he didn't Holy. So wait, are you telling me, Dan, you would not? I'm going to play for you the atonement Q&A. <laughs> And you're going to make it your ringtone. That's how much you're going to love that song. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then pigs will fly out of my ears. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sorry. 
I, I distract as distracted yes. us. So with, anyway, we're back to the characteristics. Of I mean, I don't know why that popped in my head about the Shai Lin's song about hypostatic, but I thought it was really cool that that this guy create a song about the hypostatic union. Yeah, probably because the result of this podcast, more people are going to download that song in the next hour than have in the Shailen's last decade. Like, Honey, we got, we got a bump from Cornelius. <laughs> I just earned 37 cents. Right. That oh, man. That's funny. All right. So let's talk about the sinless life as it relates to Christ. Why was it important that he lived the sinless life? Well, you can't, you have to have a perfect sinless sacrifice. This goes back to the Old Testament. Remember, when in the law of Moses, what you what what sacrifice the lamb, the bull, the goat that you had to sacrifice had to be perfect, spotless, without without blemish, uh, couldn't be lame, um, and so this is a sim- symbol of holiness. So the idea Jesus being able to to pay the price for sin, he had to be perfectly righteous. Um, we see this a lot post his life and the writings of the New Testament writers, but really where we see it on display in his life is when he is the temptation of Jesus, when he's faced with the temptation from Satan that says, hey, you know, I will give you, I will give you fame. I will give you, you know, pleasure. You know, all the, all the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Um, He rejects Satan three times. And again, this is to parallel the temptation of, of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the garden. Adam and Eve had all the benefits. Adam and Eve were in perfect communion with God. Um, it, they had all the trees to eat, and they just couldn't eat one tree. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was in the wilderness. Jesus was weak physically. He, he had everything going against him. And think about this. When you, are, when you are physically weak, you are more susceptible to spiritual fall. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean— some of the worst decisions people will make is when they don't get enough sleep, when they, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's just certain, or when they're sick or, you know, burned out, or, they're burned yeah. out. They, there's just certain times when people make bad decisions. Jesus, it's almost like put all the, all the disadvantages on me. I'll still beat you, Satan. Put all, put all the physical, um, you know, location. I'm in the desert. I'm in the wilderness. I'm not in the garden. Not, don't tempt me just one time, tempt me three times. And it is every single time he's able to, meet the temptation of Satan and say, no, uh, he recites scripture and he's able to maintain and to, ast- not, not, he was born righteous. He never sinned against God. And when he faced the ultimate temptation, he passed the test. And so he, <clears throat> the reason why it's important for Jesus to be perfect, spotless, righteous is because it's only a perfect, spotless, righteous sacrifice that can take on the atoning sins of another does that make sense? Yeah, which which is interesting because remember what Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he, say, he said, he who knew no sin became sin. That's right. Yeah. So why was that important? Yeah, because the, the idea is you, someone has to bear the, the penalty of sin. We'll get into a lot of the atonement theories when we go to soteriology. Um, but the, the, the reality of Jesus being a sinless sacrifice was important because not only did we need our sins taken from us and placed on, on, an, on a substitute— we needed the righteousness that Jesus that, that that Jesus earned. Jesus was the only human being that earned heaven. He earned because he obeyed the, the law perfectly before God, never broke any of them. Um, we know in in Paul's argument for the wages of sin is death. Like there's no one that um, has earned heaven. 
except for Jesus. So in, when Jesus dies, not only does he take our our sinless or our, our sin upon himself, but in that moment, and when he conquers sin and death in the resurrection, he's now able to offer his righteousness to us. And we need both. A lot of times when you grow up in Christianity, you hear he will take away your sins. That's good, but you also need the righteousness of Christ on you, that to be justified, to be declared righteous. And so we not only need to be forgiven our sins, our 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 bank account that's that's in the minus, we need to be given the the plus account in our account to say, you you have now earned the right into heaven because of the righteousness of Christ. And so that's the reason why Jesus had to be sinless. Yeah, and and it 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 turned the universe on its head in that in the universe we would assume, presume that the guilty pays the the penalty for the innocent. Right, 100%. But in the case of Christ, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. The innocent paid the price for the guilty. Right. And in, in that way, showed a deeper law. Um, and, and this is kind of a cool, you know, the the book, Line, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe. You know, C.S. Lewis used the term magic, but, you know, he basically said there's a deeper magic than the magic that the that the uh, witch w- was was doing, basically the the magic that said, "Hey, you have to pay." You know, he he broke, he betrayed you. Therefore, he has to pay the penalty. When when Aslan says there's a deeper magic that's greater than the magic that she was claiming, that's what that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying there's something deeper and greater than what you know. The wages of sin is death. I, I, because when someone who's perfect and spotless and righteous dies for the unrighteous. It's able to um, overcome the law of sin and death. And that's what the entire argument of the book of Romans is about. So here's the question I, I want to ask you, Dan. And this is, a, this is a theological term that maybe people have never heard before, but the impeccability of Jesus. Now, the impeccability of Jesus means that Jesus could not have sinned or he was unable to sin. Okay. Now, this is where I don't believe you need to be a Christian to believe in the impeccability of Jesus because there there are people who I believe are orthodox that would believe that because of Jesus' humanity, it made Jesus it made it possible for Jesus to sin. Okay, um, I hold to the to the I hold to the theological belief that I believe that Jesus it, I believe in the impeccability of Jesus, which means I don't believe Jesus could have sinned. I believe his nature as God. Because again, we say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, then most people that say, well, if if Jesus is impeccable, if he's unable to sin, then the temptation really wasn't temptation. Well, no, temptation is temptation. Whenever you're offering someone, I could, I could put a plate of alu, alu gobi, an Indian dish, in front of you. I know you don't like Indian food. <laughs> all right, I can't even say that word. I love alu. I love Indian food. All right, no, you're, I, you're sick in other ways too. <laughs> But I love, I love, and I know Indian cuisine is not your favorite, right? right? Um, and I could put this food in front of you with the smell, and I'd be, and Dan, you know, do you want this? And, and you'd be like, nope, no, I'm no, I'm, I, I'm in the act of trying to tempt you, but because of what your your own standards are of saying, I don't like that, I'm not doing that. You're able to reject temptation. The temptation is happening. The act of temptation is happening because of what I'm offering you. Just like, but but Jesus in his righteousness and, and perfection and in his deity, even though he was fully human, it was like, yeah, I might be feeling this. And yeah, there might be 
I might understand the urge to do that, but I, I have no desire to do that because of what I know will happen as a result of that, you know? So anyways, I, that's a small thing. Yeah. I, I know that. Well, the, the, the other side of the argument of impeccability are people that says, well, then you have a limited Christ if he couldn't. But but we, again, always going back to scripture, you, you know, because we would contend that, yeah. that Christ can do whatever he wants and if that's a part of his sovereign authority. Yeah. But we with he can do whatever he wants within the within the bounds of his character. Yeah, and and well, and again, we can always point to the scripture. For right. instance, the scripture says God cannot lie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. hundred. That's yeah. a limitation he's in, put on himself. In him is no darkness at all. Right. I mean, exactly. So there are self-imposed hundred percent limitations on 100%. that. So that it kind of undermines yes. one of the arguments against yeah. impeccability. Okay, for for the eight and a half minutes we have left, you got you got you got to we got to whip through the the major death. Resurrection, ascension, return. Return. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think we would all understand that that Jesus died for us. We talked about. We just talked about that. Why it's important. I'm going to spend a lot more time on this when we get to our soteriology about the nature of the atonement. But we all believe that Jesus died a human death. He died, you know, physically, but also took on spiritual death because there was a. He bore the the punishment and the wrath of God. So, but he died for us because he loved us and he died for us because it was the only way to provide salvation for us. So we have to understand that that Jesus chose to do this willingly. Um, there's a great sermon by Tim Keller on the, um, the te- about Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't remember what it is. I'll try to remember that for a following sermon. But in that, he talks about why, why was the cross, why was it so so anguishing for him to go to the cross. And it's because of the reality of his, for eternity past, there's only been the fullness of love and fellowship and beauty between God the Father and God the Son. And at that moment, he would have to, something, he had have to experience something differently that he never experienced before. And that was the judgment of his father. And that is the, the anguish that he feels in that moment. Um, and so, and yet, in spite of that, we see in Romans 12, for the joy set before him endured the cross. There was something he saw beyond the cross that was that, that he wanted, and that was the, the 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 salvation of human humanity and the restoration of creation. Um, and so, so he, we know Jesus died. We know Jesus rose again from the dead. That's a historical. It's been historically recorded for us in the Gospels by eyewitnesses. Um, recorded 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the great resurrection chapter in the Bible, talking about you know he appeared to over 500. Uh, the whole point is there were eyewitnesses that saw Jesus and were willing to die, be boiled in oil, be willing to be impaled. Be, I mean, every, every torture in whatever that people could endure, they were willing to endure because they believe no, they just believed. They experienced something. They saw the risen Christ and said, "I've got to die. I'm going to die for it. I can't lie." You know. So um, we have this idea of the resurrection that has been proven, um, and then the ascension of Jesus. Why did Jesus ascend? Well, it says that He ascended to sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father. That the authority that Jesus now has in heaven and on earth, He's exercising now in His position of authority as ruler over all creation. And so um, there was something, and again, we'll visit more this more in the atonement, that there's something, there a victory that Jesus won over the principalities and powers and rulers of the world, um, the, the, the council of Elohim that, that 
God had divided the nations up, Jesus won back for himself. And so now Jesus now rules and reigns. That that ascension now is a symbol of his authority to know that he is in a place of authority. We can go to the reason why we pray to Jesus is because there is now the authority and power he now has, and we can get from him to to walk in holiness, to to ask God for healing, to all the things that Jesus did while he when he walked this earth, he is now given to us because now he is in a position of authority. So the ascension is important. And then the return of Jesus, Jesus will come back again. He's going to, um, again, he, what he makes salvation possible for all, but there's going to be a point where he brings judgment to all evil. So, so there's a moment where God says to evil enough, we've had enough I'm going to win. I'm going to claim what I won on the cross for myself, and all evil will get judged. And so we see the great white throne of judgment where um, there's going to be judgment on all humanity. But Jesus will will return, not with uh, not in kindness, but with a sword. It says that in Revelation. So um, that's the those are the four major major events of Christ. Um, you know, toward, from 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 the from his death to his return. Okay, are there others that you have on your list? Because there's one more that I want to I want to briefly I don't, address. I don't have okay. anything else. All right. So one of the aspects of Christology for me is Christ's role as Savior, but also as Lord. Yes. Yeah. And you know, one of one of my and it's probably because of the brand of evangelical Christianity yep. I grew up in. They were so afraid of what they called lordship, lordship salvation, salvation. Yeah. which in in their perspective was adding works to salvation that in many ways they created, in my opinion, a cheap grace and an easy believism yeah. that said there is no responsibility on the part of the believer to view Christ as more than a savior yeah. and to view him as, as Lord. Yeah. You know how? how did yeah, I mean, so, so this is a huge issue back in the '90s, I believe. John MacArthur wrote a book called "The Gospel According to the Disciples." Disciples according to Jesus. Or, the, the gospel according, according to Jesus. Jesus sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the disciples was the second book he follow up. Anyways, he wrote the book really emphasizing the issue you're talking about, this easy believism that people, you know, come forward and pray a prayer, and and then it's like, well, what happened? I thought they prayed a prayer and came forward. Well. Just doing these religious acts doesn't save you. What what John MacArthur was teaching was there has to be a submission to the authority of Jesus. Now, I think that there are extremes to the lordship salvation position. I think there are extremes to the what we call the free grace position. And there's a book that was written in response to MacArthur's book by um, Hodges is his last name. I can't remember his first name, but it was a book called Absolutely Free. And his whole point was, no, all you need is faith. If you just believe, you're saved. And I think all of us would say, yeah, you need to just believe. <laughs> Belief is all that, that's required. And yet I think what what the Bible teaches is there needs to be repentance and faith. Repentance and faith go hand in hand. I don't think you can do one without – I don't think biblically you can do one without the other. I believe in the, in the argument between the Lordship Salvation and the Free Grace people is that – John MacArthur was trying to really emphasize the repentance part of the equation. And the free grace people like Hodges were trying to emphasize the faith part. And so both of them, I think, are talking like around each other 
as opposed to saying both are necessary and both can be abused. Mm -hmm. Both of those, if you have just faith without repentance, it's this easy believism. It just, just say this prayer, you're in heaven. And it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, to me, that's not, that's not being biblical either. Or this hyper, have you repented? Is, is there truly no more sin in your life? I mean, and you can get almost in this, it almost becomes like Catholicism mm-hmm. of, of you've got to really purge your life and sanctification and justification go hand in hand. Well, no, the Bible teaches justification happens outside of sanctification. But if there is true justification, sanctification will happen. So I, I think when it comes to the lordship of Jesus, yes, I think it's it's been a doctrine that's been diminished. That's when, when we talk about the ascension, that really deals with the the authority and the power and the lordship of Jesus. But I think anytime you try to emphasize one doctrine over another that both are equally yeah. important, you're going to get into trouble. Yeah, for for me, it's the it's two guys sitting looking at a quarter one has it has heads and the other has tails and they're arguing that this is the only you know this <laughs> yeah. is the whole coin and yes. if they flip the coin over they'd yes. see oh yeah that's 100 percent. but it's all the same coin yes 100%. And, and i think on several of these arguments but that's one of the reasons i wanted to bring that up was because you know again some people will in discussion of christology will start bringing up these issues and i think it's important that we at least be aware of the arguments and, 100%, and, and yeah. have a position yes. that we can defend biblically 100%. Well, Ben, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much. You took 42 minutes this, to, to, to- We all know about Jesus now. Yeah, now go be like him. Minutes, so now, and I think, let me just say this. That's the biggest thing is don't get stuck in learning about Jesus. Understand, let these doctrines influence how you lo- love him and how you live for him. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I, 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 I wish I would have spent a little more time on, that these are doctrines that should drive us to worship. It should drive us to respond in love um, and say- I, I'm so thankful that I have a God that loves me yeah. like this. Yeah, so. they will absolutely transform your yes, worldview. Yes, 100%. So, well, as always, thank you so much for listening to us here at Life Talks. If you have friends and neighbors that have not heard us yet, please share us on social media or uh, just word of mouth if you would. Uh, but uh, it is our privilege to be able to check in with you a couple of times a week. Thank you so much for listening to us. Until next time, thanks for joining us at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.